Okay, verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod. Interesting to note about that. That means he was a foster son. Literally, that means he was a foster son. He'd been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And Herod, that was the... That was the Herod Antipas. He ruled Galilee during the public ministry of Christ. So uh, foster son got saved, but Herod didn't. And Saul, later to become Paul. In verse 2, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. I'm going to end my reading there. Almighty, infinite Father, Lord, we bow before you. God, we want to close out this Lord's Day worshiping you. God, just praising your holy name. And Lord, uh, we trust that that you are in control of everything. You're almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing. Lord, there's nothing you can't do. And you're always, always good. And Father, uh, as we look around at the world around us, and so many troubles, so many ailments. Lord, one of these days, I know that you're going to fix everything. You're going to make everything the way that it should be. God, in the end, you are victorious. All of the enemies of Christ will be put under his feet. And Lord, we will reign with him. But we live now, Lord, in this current time. And so we, we lift up to you these prayer requests. You've heard each and every one of them. And we just humbly ask, Lord, that you would help, that you would undertake, that you would bless and give wisdom, Lord, where it's needed, healing where it's needed, Father, and encouragement and strength. And God, we thank you for the grace of life. We thank you. God, that you've given us all things richly to enjoy. And Lord, you've given us this world to subdue and to enjoy it. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be good stewards of all that we have in the time that we have here. I pray tonight, Father, as we get into the Word of God, that you would, you would, uh, that you'd speak to hearts and, and say what you want to say. And Lord, we are, we are so, so uh, quick to, to forget, or at least to, to, to look over the good things that are happening, Lord, the grandchildren that are in college and, and uh, going, one of them going to church all on her own and, and Lord to hear about the, this new ministry started and so many good things that have been happening Lord and ministered in the women's prison the, the mission house opened up God souls redeemed and saved and given new life and new direction Father so many good things that you're doing the devil is so good at being bad Lord and we don't want to exalt him. We want to exalt you tonight. So, Father, I just pray you just encourage us, Lord, and just help us as we begin this week. That we might be able to walk with you, walk in the Spirit, and glorify you and do your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Now, uh, the title of this message tonight is, What is a Missionary? What is a Missionary? I would said this morning that I was going to preach on the working church, the worshiping church, and the witnessing church. And uh, that's what I get for announcing my message ahead of time. That's not the message for tonight. 
And uh, maybe next Sunday morning I'll get to that. We'll see. But this is uh, what the Lord's put on my heart to preach tonight. I want to talk about this. What is a missionary? And uh, what is God's program for missions? So we'll just, we'll get right into it, all right? We'll get right into it, and, and maybe we can stop at the end. And if you have any questions or something that should be cleared up or something you wanted to add, we'll, we'll do that towards the end. Now in verse 1, <clears throat> here we are in this section of the book of Acts. And this is Christianity going out to the uttermost part of the world. Just like Jesus said back in the Great Commission, back in Matthew 28. And this is what we're looking at is the very first missionary journey. This is taking place in this mission-minded church, as we've learned, the church in Antioch. And someone has said from Acts chapter 13 on, you could call this the Acts of Paul. Because the spotlight is on him. The emphasis is on what God is doing through the Apostle Paul. He becomes the dominant figure from here on out. And uh, we'll begin in verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. So notice that in Antioch there's a church. And the Lord's going to point out to us these prophets and teachers which are more prominent because of their gift and because of what the Lord is going to say here about calling a couple of these men to be missionaries. But I, I, I don't want us to miss that the Bible speaks about this church in Antioch as an independent, autonomous church. It's not just saying the church in the region or the church in Syria because Antioch was in Syria. It's saying the church in this city, and it's saying in this church, there's these men. The church is, of course, the people. It's not the buildings. There were no church buildings at this time. They were meeting in houses. So, you have an autonomous church. You say, what's that? It's self-governing. There's no denominational hierarchy. There's no mission board. There's nothing like that. There's no fellowship or association. It's a single church. And the Holy Spirit deals with this individual self-governing church and calls a couple of men out of it. And this is the pattern for the New Testament church. That's what we are here today. That's what Antiquity Baptist Church is. There's no other church or no other denomination or association or fellowship that governs this church. This church is as it should be. It's governed by its head, the Lord Jesus Christ. The pastor is simply an under-shepherd, but the pastor is the overseer, the under-shepherd, and the Lord leads through his man, which is a pastor. And, uh, you know, I say that, and I don't say that to puff myself up. That's true in any independent New Testament local church, when it's run God's way. But notice in this church... They have prophets and teachers. At this time, there were still apostles and there were still prophets. Those offices would be done away with in the course of time. There are no apostles today. There are no prophets in the sense of speaking by inspiration today. But today, we do have teachers and pastors and evangelists. But you see, they had more than one prophet and teacher. They had Barnabas and Simeon. 
Simeon was a black man. That's what that name Niger means. It means black. He was from Africa. So they had uh, white men, you know. They had Jewish men. They had black men all together in their church. You know, a church should reflect its surroundings, shouldn't it? And uh, a church should also, this is not my message, but a church ought to be like multi-generational. In other words, when you read the New Testament, you read the book of Acts, you find out that in the service you had kids in the service. You had teenagers in the service. You had young men, you had older men. You had young ladies, you had older ladies. They all got together. None of this business of marketing to a certain uh, section of the society. You know, this church is for millennials, and this church is, is for those who want a traditional style. There's none of that in the New Testament. Everybody gets together. Beth was talking with a young person, and they said something about how they didn't like church the way it was that they grew up in, and, and uh, you know, just all families getting together. They wanted to seek for one of those churches that had... You know, the, a young pastor and a bunch of young people all getting together, you know, college age or, you know, young married type age. And uh, that's not biblical. That's not biblical. I'm so glad that Lucas is growing up in a church where he has the wisdom of people who have been around for a little while and have some good things to say. And can help out and when some younger people too, you know, and, and you, you, you need the whole mix. I want life in this church. I love to hear a baby crying out in the middle of a service. Now, if it keeps going for too long, somebody ought to do something about it. But uh, I want to hear some young life in the church. You know, I want to, I, that's, that's the biblical pattern. And in this area, you know, people might make us feel bad because we don't have any black people in our church. Well, there's no black people in Racine, hardly. And maybe if there were, there might be in this church. You put us in Columbus, it would look different, wouldn't it? But that's the way it is here. And notice that the, the Lord gifted more than one man. You had multiple teachers. Now, they were going to be sent out, but you had multiple teachers. You had Lucius and Menaean, and then you had Saul. All right? And then in verse 2, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work. So here we have our first heading. God calls missionaries. God does. You see that? The Holy, the Holy Ghost. He said, separate me Barnabas and Saul. He says, I want these two men right here, and I want to separate them from the fellowship, from that independent local church. I want to separate them and send them on a missionary journey. So they were set apart for this work. God calls missionaries. Not mamas, not papas, not missionary associations. Sometimes there are missionary boards or associations and they'll go and they'll present their work to a college. You know, and kids will be there in this Christian college and getting some schooling there. And they'll present uh, what it's like to be a missionary. And they might have missionaries come in and speak in these colleges and uh, influence some of these young people to at least consider the idea and go to some training and try to figure out if maybe God might call them to do that. But no missionary agency can call someone to be a missionary. Sometimes they put them through like a, 
an examination. They have them fill out forms to find out if they're qualified to do it. And, and none of that is the way that the Lord calls a missionary. He does it through a local church. Not a Christian college, but a local church. And God calls them. No one else. You know what a missionary is? An ambassador for Christ. That's a good one. They're people who God calls, men and women, and He calls them to go on a mission. To go with the gospel. And to go to those who have never heard the gospel. And we have foreign missionaries. Okay? And so, like, if in this church, God were to call a young man or a young lady out of this church to be a missionary, that call might come when, in their youth. It might come later on in their early adult training. And that call comes. God says, I want you to be a missionary. And there's that first, that call to be a missionary. And then, eventually, the Lord starts to deal with them, giving them specifics as far as a spe- specific field. But... For God to say to a young man, you're, I want you to preach the word. You know, a young man might get a call at a, at a Christian camp or something like that. I want you to preach the word. That's not necessarily a call to be a missionary. That's a call to be a preacher. And if someone were to be called to preach in this church and trained and brought up and maybe taken to a Bible college to get ministry training, if that were to happen and then they were to go and to start a church in America, that's not a missionary. That's a church planter. That's not mission work. And, and when we say things like uh, a mission for the down and outers and, and people that are dope addicts and drunkards and things like that, people that are homeless, so we started a, a mission downtown and they're you know, feeding them soup and stuff like that and putting them up for the night and preaching the gospel to them. And that's not missions. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a gospel preacher. What God does with missions is He sends out a gospel preacher and they go and they preach out in the open air. They preach anywhere they can preach. They go door to door. They do street work. They pass out tracts. And they try to lead souls to Christ. And then when people get saved, the missionary is to form them into a small, fledgling New Testament church. And then that missionary becomes kind of like a pastor. Begins to pastor those people. Disciple them. Train them. And and the, the idea is that eventually that missionary can turn that little church over to a national pastor. That is, he's praying that the Holy Spirit would call one of the men that get saved to preach. Or would call somebody to come in. To be the preacher, to be the pastor for that New Testament church. And then once that missionary uh, hopefully turns that, that little church over to this national preacher. That is somebody who's of their people, of their own heart language. And, and that can take that church and, and pastor it. And then he might kind of just help out a little bit with guidance here and there. But, but as soon as he knows that he's able to move on, he'll take his family. He'll move on somewhere else and do the same thing again. And start another church. But it's not in America. It's in another country. That's a missionary. That's a foreign missionary. And there are some kind of legitimate home mission works here in America, but that's not the program that we are, we're about here in this church. We're about foreign missions. Yes, we want to help out here with uh, some things in our country, but we, we want to... You say, why foreign missions? All right, we'll go to Matthew 28 real quick. Go to Matthew 28... 
last chapter. Notice that the Holy Spirit did not separate these men and say, I want you to go on the other side of Antioch and start a church. That's not what he said. He said, separate these men. And then once they were separated, once they were willing to go, then he he showed them where to go. But they didn't know what all he was going to do in the very beginning. But he sent them out. They were going to go to the uttermost part of the world and preach the gospel. So Matthew chapter 28, these are familiar verses. But this is the mission. And they're going to be ambassadors, representatives for Christ. And to preach the gospel of the grace of God. To see souls saved and churches started. Turned over to national pastors and then repeat. So Matthew 28 verse 18. Jesus came and spake unto them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go! You see, that's the gospel word. Go! Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them. So once they get saved, then you baptize them, then you teach them. That's discipleship. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You see, so they're called to go into all the world. All right, back in Acts chapter 13, and only God can call a missionary. If you're not called... If you're not called, I've been warned uh, several times. If you're not called, don't go. It would be the worst possible thing for somebody to move their family and to go to Ecuador or to go to uh, South America, anywhere in South America, or to go to uh, South Africa or the Congo. It would be the worst possible thing for that person to do And to take his family to do that if you're not called. Because guess what? If you're not called and if you don't know it for sure, you won't last. But if you're called, if you're called, then you have to go. Jim Elliott was such a man. Remember hearing about him, an American missionary who went to Ecuador to reach the Indians there. He wanted to go to the most savage people in the world. This was right around 1950. And he wanted to preach the gospel to those that have never heard, just like the Bible shows him. And So he went there, and he had some other young men that were there with him, friends who were helping. And they had a yellow airplane, and they took that airplane to reach those Aka Indians. And they, they figured out if they fly that airplane around and around in a circle, and they have a little rope going down in a bucket, they could drop things down to the Aka Indians to show them that we're your friend. We, we have presents for you. And uh, so they did that, and after a while, they felt like, well, the Indians probably get the point that we're trying to be friendly, so they decided to land their plane, and and if you know the story, uh, those five men gave their lives for Christ, and for those Indians, they were all speared to death on the beach uh, when they landed the plane. And uh, Jim Elliott was a man who gave his life for missions. He was called to do that. That was God's will for his life. And uh, he, he would go around to colleges and, and he would try to recruit young people and he was frustrated with the small results that he received. And you know why he didn't receive very many results? Because God doesn't call that way. God doesn't call through another missionary. God calls through a local church and the Holy Spirit. You see. I've had men, and believe me guys, I have prayed and prayed and prayed, Lord send me, I will go. And he just never has. So I won't go. It would be a worse thing for me to do if he hadn't called me. But I've had missionaries, good missionaries, good men with good works. 
And, and one in particular that I'm thinking of, he came up to me and came up behind me and grabbed me by my shoulders and he said, Brother John, you're called. I want you to come to Vietnam. I need somebody to turn my work over to. And I'm telling you, I wanted to go. I liked him. And I liked the work he was doing. He was working with orphans and stuff and, and uh, training, training Vietnamese preachers to go start churches. I wanted to do it so bad, but you know what? I had to tell him. We had a conversation in Denny's one day after a preacher's fellowship, and I said, Brother, I can't go. The Lord hasn't called me. You know, and he was, he was frustrated because he said, you can't get men to go to the mission field anymore. But you know, God didn't call me. God has to call. A burden, I had a burden, and I think you probably have a burden for missions too, but that doesn't constitute a call. Where does the call come? The call comes within the church. Whether it's this church or maybe another local church that has a Bible college, you understand it can happen there too. A local church that has a Bible college, but it'll come through the church, through a spiritual atmosphere where God takes a person who is saved, first of all, a person who's serving. That's what these men were doing. They were serving. In verse 2, they ministered to the Lord. They were saved, obviously, and and uh, they were spiritual men. They were fasting, they were praying, they were seeking God, they were spiritual, and they were sacrificial. Now, God doesn't call a couch potato Christian, an armchair quarterback. God calls Christians who are already fully committed in the work, serving, spiritual, growing, willing to sacrifice, already giving to missions, already feeling the burden. That's the person that God calls. And God does it in His own time, you know. You say, why are you explaining this to me? Because I want you to understand our missions program. We have a missions program here. And I want you to understand what happens. These people that come in here and they, they show their video and they come up here and talk, they're not just here to milk us for money. I want you to understand what happens back of all that. You know, Paul spent three years in Bible college, so to speak, before he ever got to the church in Antioch. He spent three years in the backside of the desert. Then he spent seven years in this church. That's incredible. Ten years. And then the Lord called him. So what they tell young men and young women is they say, you know, uh, spend time serving the Lord, getting some experience. You might go to Bible college. You might sit in church for years after you finish Bible college before the Lord calls you. But you wait for the call and don't get ahead of God. So he spent ten years, all that, before he was called. And then what happened next? Well, God calls and the church sends. Notice verse 3. When they had fasted and prayed, the church fasted and prayed for them. And uh, the church, they, they laid their hands on them. And they, the church, sent them away. So God calls and the church sends. This uh, it, it describes an ordination service. And they're not, in, they're not like, uh, like, they're not conferring any special powers or abilities on them by touching them with their hands. It's the, <clears throat> it's the leaders of the church, and maybe the whole church, I don't know, putting their hands on these men. And, and it's symbolic, it's a sign, it's like a right. It, it, what it does is it, it says that we are connected to you. We believe you are called. We believe that 
you uh, have the gifting for it, and, and we are connected to you, and we will support you. So your mission is not just some lone wolf out there. No, you're sent out of a church. You're accountable to a church. You're connected to a church. You, we have your back, Barnabas and Saul. We have your back. And uh, they were ordained that way. I, I keep a certificate of my ordination, just a smaller one, just in case I'm ever somewhere and have the opportunity to do a ministry. And they want to know if I was truly ordained and have the support of a local church. Sometimes when you go into a prison or go into certain places, maybe a hospital, they want to know, are you official? For sure, if you're going to become a chaplain in the military, you have to have an ordination. You have to have a church that they know that you're in good standing with that church. And if you are, then that means something. That means you're legitimate. I remember the day that I was ordained and I had the hands of my brother. I had men I wanted there. My brother, my pastor Steve Leithley, the... Uh, the uh, Senior Saints pastor, man who had been serving the Lord for years and started two churches, and Matthew, or Gary Matthew, and then a, a, a music evangelist, Gary Edmonds. And they all put their hands on me, and they all prayed for me that day. And what they were saying is, you are connected to this church. We believe that God has called you, and we believe that God is going to use you mightily. That's what they did this time. The church sends. You know, uh, they laid their hands on them, and then they sent them away. Missionaries need support. Missionaries need money. Missionaries need emotional support. There's a lot that could be said about all that. We sat through a week of training on those things. About what missionaries go through and what their kids go through. You know, we need to do more for our missionaries. We need to send them letters. We need to send them gifts at Christmas time. Especially their kids. We need to do more. Uh, they need our prayers. They need our fellowship. They need to be able to come back and see us when they're back off the road and we need to make time for them. And when they come in, we need to treat them like royalty. I mean, really just pour on the blessings when they come back. And the church, not only do they need the blessings of the church, but the church needs the blessings of God. And I'll, I'll tell you this, God will bless a missions-minded church. You mark that down. If we are generous with our support, to world missions. God will not stop. He will open up the windows of heaven. He will pour out a blessing on this church. This church will never do without a God-called preacher. This church will never do without the funds to keep the doors open and the lights on and the building cool. This church will never do without souls being saved and baptized and being discipled and God's blessing and God's touch upon this church if this church supports missions. We need the blessings that come from supporting missionaries. They might not be sent out of our church. God willing, they will be. But they're sent out of other churches that are like-minded with us. And lastly, just briefly, the Holy Ghost directs in verse 4. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. So they, these two men who were called by God to be missionaries, who were sent out of their local church, they were directed, not by a pastor of a local church, not even their own pastor, or any other pastor who might not be happy with what they're accomplishing, of a supporting church, say, for instance, but they're directed by the Holy Ghost. In verse 4, 
You see, they departed unto Seleucia, but they didn't know where they were going to go at first. And from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And if you have a Bible map, you might be able to see the lines of where they go on their, on their trip. But they didn't know exactly where they're going to go. They're following the leadership and the guidance of God's Spirit. And, and He's very specific. You see. So when we read a, a missionary prayer letter on Wednesday night, I try to do that as much as I can. When we read it, we might say, uh, you know, the Mooberries, they're in such and such a town, and they're thinking about going to a different town, and they're witnessing here, and they let us hold a Christ here, and the wife is helping out here, and they got the kids maybe in school, and, and different things are happening, and they're trying to disciple a couple here, and, and they say, oh, I think the Lord would lead us to go to this city, and maybe to start a church there. But you see, they don't know exactly where they're going, and that's okay. They're following the Lord's leadership, and it will work out perfectly in His timing. And if it's not happening as fast as what we think it should, we need to just say, we're, you know, Romans 8.28, For all things work together for good, according to them that love God, according to them that are the called, according to our purposes or His purposes? His purposes. So all things work out according to His purposes, so he, he directs very specifically, and when I read those prayer letters, and I think, well, you know, boy, it'd be nice if a church was started by now. Well, I'm not the one over there on that mission field. And maybe we just need to pray more. And, and just trust that the Lord is going to direct. Sometimes the Lord has called a man or a woman to go to one country, and they thought, I'm called to go to this country. And instead of going to that country, they ended up going to a different country entirely altogether because of war. That's happened. And then God uses them greatly somewhere else. So the Holy Spirit directs. And uh, what we want to see in missionary prayer letters is we want to see a few things. Because we know that it's God's will for people to get saved. They told us when I was in Bible college, if you can put down in your missionary prayer letters, of course I never became a missionary, but they said, if when you write your missionary prayer letters and you send them out monthly to a church, you make sure you show them that you're trying to win souls. And when somebody gets saved, put that in a prayer letter. Because they want to see that you're a soul winning missionary. If you're not getting with it, they don't want to put their money into you. They want to put it into a soul winning missionary that's going to start church. And so you put those things in there. We want to see that. We want to see that they're busy doing things and busy starting New Testament local churches. That's the plan. That's God's plan for this age. And so, in His time, the Holy Ghost will direct Barnabas and Paul to go to all the places that they go to. They're going to send them up and all around Asia Minor. And then they're going to come back to Antioch on just a small mission trip this time. But... Uh, we shouldn't expect them to know everywhere that they're going to go or everything that they're going to do. So when a missionary comes in the next time and you ask questions, I hope you ask questions at the end, you know, what do you expect to do? Where do you plan to go? There are some people sitting in pews that, that look at some young man standing up here and they say, he doesn't have a plan. I don't think we should send him. The only plan that they need to have is they know that God's called them. We should sense their burden, that they really care for souls. All right? We should know that what they want to do when they get there is they want to start a local church. Alright, that's good. Check, check. And uh, we should sense that they believe the King James Bible. Okay? And, and we should see that they, they want to go and uh, they want to train nationals. Okay? That means they want to turn the church over to a national preacher. Those things, if they got those things right. And, what's that? And do what? 
And they're saved. Safe or saved? Faith. There you go. Faith. Good. That's good. And walking by faith. Okay. God bless them. You know. And if He puts them on our heart, let's support them. But we can't expect them to know everything that they're going to do when they get to some foreign country. They, they might have gone there and spent two or three weeks there to take some pictures. But they don't know what the Lord's going to do yet. And we shouldn't expect that, should we? So let's go ahead and stand in a word of prayer. Just a simple message tonight, just to train our church on New Testament missions. And uh, Lord willing, we'll be able to take on a new missionary soon. Um, and we're going to try to have one missionary in a month here at this church. That's what we want to do. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Let's just be seated. We'll close in prayer seated. I, I forgot to ask, do we have any questions or comments? You said as long as you can remember, this church has supported missionaries. That's the reason why it's still here, huh? Amen. Praise God. And uh, that's the, you know, when I saw that, I said, that's, this church supports missionaries. When I was considering this church, I, I said, well, they support missionaries. They're doing the right thing in that area. That was one of my factors of whether I was going to come here. So, yes, sir. Anything else? Questions? There's no dumb question. Yeah. Mm, right. Yes, yes. Yeah, they do, they do have to blend in. There's one man in particular who went up to the Eskimos up in like Greenland. And I can't think of his name. Just incredible. But he went up there and he blended in with the people. But he was kind of an outdoorsman. He was a country guy. And he understood hunting and fishing and boating and all that stuff. So he was able to blend in with them and learn their ways. And uh, he did that just recently within the 20th century. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Any other questions, comments, or just something you want to add to it? Uh, well, soul winning and visitation um, is different. Uh, but we're all on a mission, I would say. But I guess if you want to look at it this way, let's say you want to go... I don't know, maybe out west. There are people who have never heard in America. But uh, I think more, not really a foreign, definitely not a foreign missionary. But yeah, say, uh, yeah, say somebody going out to Navajo. I think it's homeland missions is what I would call it. Anybody else got a thought on that? Home, homeland missions is what I'd call it. And that's necessary too. Yes. Just a shepherd, yep. And I got to be... Uh, got to be a soul winner, got to love God's people and teach God's people. Yeah, be a leader of the church. That's another thing. You know, and sometimes you look at me and what I'm doing, and you say, well, I don't know that I'd necessarily do things that way, you know. And yeah, and if you were the pastor, you might not do things the way that I'm doing them, but you're not the pastor. And God's called me to be a preacher and a, and a pastor here, and just pray for me. Okay, and i got to follow the Lord's leadership, and of course everything's got to pass a church vote. But uh, I've, I've had some people get upset with the way I've done things or not done things fast enough and so on. Sometimes it's not knowing what I'm, what, everything that I know or else the Lord just not leading me to do it. So I don't want to get ahead of Him. Something like that. Anything else? Do we feel like we understand what a missionary is pretty good?
Okay. So, missionary, obviously he's on a mission. It's the Great Commission, going out to preach the gospel, win souls, gather a church together, establish a church, turn it over to a national pastor. And that's what we want to support. If they're not doing that, it's not... Anyways, anything else? Okay. Yes, right. Yeah. I'm not happy with some of the things I've done. <laughs> but you're right, you can't please everybody. There's an old song that uh, Ricky Nelson sang. Can't please everyone. Gotta please. But I don't have to please myself, I want to please the Lord. Yes, you're right, yes sir. But I don't, I'd never want to, I'm never trying to offend anybody on purpose. But uh, anything else? All right. So yeah, so let's keep supporting missions. And you know what though? Here's the thing about that, is that the Lord will put it on your hearts. Sometimes people come up to me and they say, I really like that missionary. Maybe we ought to think about supporting them. Or somebody will say, I think I want to support them. And, when I, and then when I hear that, I'm thinking, well, why don't we just all do it, you know? And I know it's the Lord's will that we support missions. So if there's a missionary that comes in and you hear them, and that really God just touches your heart, and you, you, you think God's got his hand on that person or that family... And we ought to be in that. We ought to support them. That's when you let me know. Because the Holy Spirit's talking to you about it. You know, so if it's of the Lord, yeah. Anything else? So uh, we can't support everybody. But the ones that the Lord sends our way, we have to try to figure out, first of all, do they really have a burden for souls? Second of all, are they really called? Because not everybody who goes on deputation and says, I want to be a missionary, is truly called. Some of them just want to be freeloaders, leeches. I hate to say that, but that's the truth. All right, anything else? Okay, Lord, we thank you so much tonight, God, for the, the, the best missionary that ever lived. You sent your son into this world. He left heaven. He came to a foreign land. He was the first missionary, and he preached. And God, I thank you because of that. Lord, your son established a church, and that church has gone on, on down through the centuries. And uh, it's reached me, and it's reached us here, and we got saved uh, God, we thank you that you're a missionary God, that you love missions, that's your very heart. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, uh, to do as much as we can. And, uh, and Lord, to support those that you'd have us to support. So Lord, right now I just pray, Lord of the harvest, that you'd send forth laborers into your harvest fields, even from our church. And Lord, I pray that you'd send missionaries here to our, to our church to come and present their work and minister the word to us and that you would put on our hearts the people that you'd have us to support and lord uh, help us to be good stewards of all that you've given us in jesus name amen amen you did really good